This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the Sandy Larson alien abduction. That's correct, the Sandy Larson alien abduction. Now, before we get into this, I want to point out that you can find the links to the program uh, over at co-fi.com, co that's ko-fi.com slash UFO warning. It's kind of like buy me a coffee. Uh, I'll put the links up there. You can you can follow up with the articles and you can also support the program. Hopefully I'll get this uh, bug worked out with buy me a coffee and I can also begin posting on there again. But for now, you can go to ko-fi.com slash UFO warning if you want to look at the source material that I've located here for this stuff. This is a really interesting case. I know I've talked about it oh, some time ago, but I think it's worth looking at again. The first article that we come to is from HowStuffWorks.com, and the title of the article says, The 1975 North Dakota UFO Sighting. And it's just a short summary of what happened. It says, Sandy Larson, her 15-year-old daughter Jackie, and Jackie's boyfriend, Terry O'Leary. So we've got the mom, we've got the 15-year-old daughter, and the 15-year-old daughter's boyfriend. Uh, some some reports will incorrectly report this as uh, Sandy Larson's boyfriend, not the case, daughter's boyfriend. Awoke early that morning, August 26, 1975. Mrs. Larson, who lived in Fargo, North Dakota, was planning to take a real estate test in Bismarck, 200 miles away. At 4 a.m., 45 miles west of Fargo on Interstate 94, they encountered an unexpected, unimaginable unknown. First, they saw a flash and heard a rumbling sound. Then, in the southern sky, heading east, they saw eight to ten glowing objects with smoke around them. One was notably larger than the others, and the witnesses had the impression that in some fashion the objects had come out of it. So maybe they're looking at a mothership here. They don't know. The UFOs descended until they were above a grove of trees 20 yards away. Then half of them shot away. The three witnesses suddenly felt an odd sensation as if they'd been frozen or stuck for a second or two. Then the UFOs were departing. Even more weirdly, Jackie, who had been sitting in the middle of the front seat between Larry and her mother, now sat in the middle of the back seat, with no idea how she'd gotten there. Moreover, the time now was an hour later. So you have mom, daughter, boyfriend on the front seat. Mom's driving, daughter in the middle, boyfriend on the passenger side. But after they had this encounter with these UFOs, not only are they missing an hour of time, but you got mom and boyfriend in the front seat and daughter in the back seat. It's just like they were placed there like dolls. We see this happen so often with these situations, even with missing people sometime that David Pilates talked about so often, where they end up finding the bodies or even maybe sometimes a person uh, still alive, but the clothes on wrong. Maybe the pants are on backwards or the shirt's not buttoned correctly. It's as if they have just tried to haphazardly oppose these people when they drop them off. Uh, same thing with the cattle just being dropped off, you know, randomly sometimes after they've been mutilated. 
It says the following December, Sandy and Jackie separately underwent hypnosis under the direction of University of Wyoming psychologist Dr. R. Leo Sprinkle. Though Terry confirmed the sighting and the peculiar feelings associated with it, that's the boyfriend, he declined the offer to explore the incident further. Jackie remembered being outside the car in a state of paralysis. Her mother told of being floated into the UFO with Terry, a six-foot-tall robot-like being with glaring eyes, put her on a table, rubbed a clear liquid over her, and inserted an instrument up her nose, then performed other medical procedures. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Now, we don't we don't know if she was disrobed or what from this passage, but it says that they rubbed a clear liquid over her. Dizzy and nauseous, she felt as if her head would explode. After a period of time, she and Terry, whom she did not recall seeing inside the UFO, Warp returned to their car, and all conscious memory of the incident vanished immediately. I, I'm just seeing that as more mind control with these things. Just, just you know, uh, dropping down in the middle of uh, North Dakota somewhere and picking up these poor people. Now, there's an article here from the Milner Library. It says uh, Illinois State University, but they have a lot of copies of old newspapers and stuff. And they have this actually an article here. It says, uh, guess who's under surveillance? A Fargo, North Dakota woman said while under hypnosis that she, her daughter, and her daughter's boyfriend were abducted by an alien creature last August and dissected like frogs, the director of the Center of UFO Studies said Wednesday. The woman's description of the creature in the interior of the spacecraft were translated in sketches by WLS-TV weatherman John Coleman for a current news series on UFOs being broadcast by the station. Astronomy, astronomy professor J. Allen Hynek was present last month in Fargo when Mrs. Sandy Larson was hypnotized and questioned about the incident by Dr. Leo Sprinkle, University of Wyoming. Coleman was also present and took notes. Nothing too much came out of the hypnosis, actually, Heineck said. She, Mrs. Larson, seemed to live through a frightening experience, but the story could not be proven. The reports as such exist. Ask if he believed Mrs. Larson's story that she was taken aboard a UFO and examined by an alien. Heineck said, I believe that she thinks she was. I don't think she's lying, in other words. Well, what else could he say, I suppose? It's 1975. You know, three-paragraph article that was published at the time. I think sometimes these abductions are uh, almost like the third rail, kind of like cattle mutilations, kind of like implants. Uh, they're so in your face that a lot of people just don't like to talk about them. They find them to be quite scary. Uh, they really turn their world upside down. Now, this article that I'm looking at next, it's from December 4th, 2016, and it, it kind of takes a little different tack. It thinks, well, maybe these UFOs have something to do with, with you know the military presence, and I kind of go along with that. That's quite possible, I think. This is from the MinotDailyNews.com. It says, reported sightings of unidentified flying objects, UFOs seldom fail to capture attention. Some believe and some don't. Others are not so sure. But the possibility that UFOs exist triggers thoughts ranging from military secrets to inquisitive aliens from elsewhere in the known universe or beyond. There were several reports of UFOs in the Minot area in the 1960s and 70s. Many of the sightings were dismissed as impossible or spawned from people with over-vivid imagination and fears. Still, as improbable as some of the reports were, 
They served to ignite conversation as to the source of the UFOs and what they could possibly be doing in the region. You see, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Go back in the 60s, this stuff is going on. Reported sightings usually included statements as to the reliability of the viewer as if to confirm their credibility of the report. Generally, the UFO reports contained similarities such as lights passing through the night sky at fantastic speeds, sometimes stopping abruptly as if hovering before moving off quickly. Other reports included the presence of mysterious burn marks in a triangle formation in a field or lights of various hues moving slowly and low over the landscape. That Minot was in close proximity to Minot Air Force Base often led to suspicions that UFO activity in the region was really the product of top-secret military testing programs. However, when UFO reports originated from military sources, it opened an entirely different avenue of thinking. For UFO believers, it was a fascinating and exciting time. Well, sure, if you got the military reporting the UFOs, then pretty clearly it's not theirs, is it? Two UFO incidents that occurred in the late 1960s remain in the annals of UFO sightings today. While many UFO incidents have been debunked, others remain in the unexplained category and perpetuate UFO stories. One of the most notable UFO sightings in the Minot area happened March 5, 1967, when according to a group called the Nuclear Connection Project, Minot Air Force Base tracked an unidentified target descending over the Minuteman missile silo. NCP says Minot AFB security teams converged on the area and saw a metallic disc-shaped craft ringed with bright flashing lights moving slowly. The security strike teams had orders to capture it undamaged if it should land. <laughs> kind of hard to imagine how they were going to do that, huh? The report says the UFO hovered directly over a launch control facility before it climbed straight up and streaked away at an incredible speed. A sergeant reported the locks to the gates of the facility were off and the gates were open. Furthermore, says the NCP report, officers in the missile silo were very upset that the missile had been armed and unlocked in launch mode and that the warhead was armed. So for all those people that think these things are here to sing Kumbaya, uh, why would they take such an incredible risk, risk and, and put our uh, missiles in launch mode? Another reported UFO incident involving Minot Air Force Base occurred a few months later on October 24, 1968. This time it involved a UFO observed on a radar scope by a B-52 Bomber Navigator Radar Approach Control, or RAPCON, alerted the pilots to the location of the UFO and requested the B-52 overfly a stationary UFO on or near the ground. So they're seeing it. They're asking these guys to go take a look at it. According to the report, radio communication was lost when the B-52 was in close proximity to the UFO. Also says the report, the UFO shadowed the B-52 for nearly 20 miles. On the ground, a camper, a camper team at a missile launch facility, quote, observed a large glowing object that went down by some trees not far away. The latter sighting was reported to Project Blue Book and the Air Force Official Investigative Agency for UFOs. Neither of these sightings were proven to be true, but continue to be a source of intrigue for believers. And then it goes on and says, and what many would consider impossible to believe, Publications International adds fuel to the UFO fire with their recount of a 1975 UFO sighting in eastern North Dakota. The incident reportedly occurred on Interstate 94, about 45 miles west of Fargo, Fargo on August 26, 1975 at 4 a.m. First, they saw a flash and heard a rumbling sound. Then, in the southern sky, heading east, they saw 8 to 10 glowing objects with smoke around them. Witnesses had the impression that in some fashion, the other objects had come out of it. 
In other words, they think they saw a mothership with these other ships coming out of it, orbs or whatever you want to call them. The witnesses were three people in a vehicle traveling from Fargo to Bismarck. The report says one of the trio, Jackie Larson, that's the daughter, remember, remembered being outside the car in a state of paralysis. Her mother, Sandy Larson, told her being brought aboard a UFO and being medically examined. Now remember, she says the boyfriend was the, the daughter's boyfriend was also on that ship being examined. But, and he says he remembers seeing the UFOs, but he didn't want to uh, go into any kind of hypnosis to recover those memories. Somehow they were returned to their vehicle, seated differently than before, with no idea as to how, and all conscious memory of the incident vanished immediately. Many reported UFO sightings contain references of descriptions of flying saucers. The term credited to one-time Minot resident Kenneth Arnold, a 1933 graduate of Minot High School, an avid pilot. Arnold was living in Idaho when he told of seeing flying saucers in 1947. Arnold said he was flying his private plane over Mount Rainier in the state of Washington when he observed a formation of nine strange aircraft moving at an estimated 1,650 miles per hour. As I recall, he was actually uh, flying that day because there had been a reward offered for a downed, I'm not sure if it was Air Force or Army, uh, aircraft that had crashed in that area. And they were trying to find it and they were offering a reward to uh, anybody uh, with information about where that thing was at. And I'm pretty sure that was why Arnold was up there that day. He was scouting that area looking for that uh, potential plane crash. If I'm not correct about that, someone can let me know. When asked for a description of the mysterious aircraft, Arnold replied, flying saucers. Now, there's some contention about that too. Did he actually say saucers or did I think maybe he said they were flying or skipping across the sky like saucers across the you know water or something. I don't know. So I'm not sure if that's exactly how he worded it. There's been some, you know, I think some disagreement about that over the years, but not that important, I suppose. A phrase which instantly became common jargon throughout the world. Arnold wrote two books inspired by the incident, The Coming of the Saucers, The Flying Saucers, As I Saw It. Arnold was well-respected throughout his life. He made an unsuccessful run for Lieutenant Governor of Idaho in 1962 and passed away in 1984. So you kind of see this whole history of these uh, flying saucer activity there in North Dakota, and it's still going on today, you know. It, it seems like sometimes... You know, you have this abduction, and it's easier for people just to kind of ignore that or write it off. But then when these things are uh, actively uh, messing with uh, nuclear weapons, opening up silos, uh, activating weapon systems, preparing for launch, that's pretty serious stuff. That's end-of-the-world stuff. And you combine, you combine the kind of personality type that would do something like that, that would risk... Uh, uh, nuclear annihilation of the entire planet, along with the sorts of uh, really uh, abusive things that were done to these uh, abductees. She said she felt like she was a frog being dissected by these people. And what does she mean? Well, she's probably been disrobed, uh, had her arms and legs tied down to an examination table somewhere, and who knows what kind of terrible things they did to her and this kid. The kid wouldn't even talk about it. So... I think it's important to look at all aspects of these things. I know a lot of people that are big time in the UFO community and a lot of folks in general like to think of the best and hope that these things are here to help and on and on and on. But we have to be careful that we don't project too much of our own selves onto them, whether it be 
people thinking these are the second coming, you know, they're here to save us, or whether it be the U.S. military thinking that they're all here to destroy us, and we need to uh, fire on them uh, the minute that we see them. It's got to be a happy medium somewhere. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.